Real Estate Coaching Radio, America's number one trusted resource for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Starring award-winning real estate coaches Tim and Julie Harris. Get ready for unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what is truly working to get you into action and make you money in this new real estate boom. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio. We are your host, Tim and Julie Harris, broadcasting live from lovely, albeit very, very warm, Austin, Texas. Julie, welcome to today's show. Thank you. It's fun to be here, and I'm looking forward to rounding out this series and then ramping up for our next podcast series. We'll do a little prequel to that as well, and I've got a quick shout-out whenever you're ready. So, guys, we're going to be finishing out the points about how to become a powerful negotiator. I really appreciate the emails and the uh, feedback we've been getting on this topic. I know it's something that everyone thinks they're an expert at, but we actually when you're uh, looking at your number of contracts you submit to the number that get accepted or the number of listings or uh, number of offers you get on your listings versus the number that actually get accepted, maybe your negotiating skills need to be polished up. Guys, in a, tra- a transitioning, changing market like what a lot of you are experiencing, experiencing especially those of you in the upper end markets, you're going to have to be a lot more creative. You're going to have to be a lot more, I think, you know, you're going to have to be crafty. You're going to have to assume that the other agent doesn't necessarily have the skill set to get the deal together. And at the same time, you're going to have to do it respectfully so you basically don't start, you know, stomping on their egos to the point where the deal never actually happens. So you've got to be monitoring that. But these tips, go back and listen to the past couple days. We're going to finish out where we talked about uh, – we're going to finish this topic. And then we're going to tell you about a show that we're going to start a three-show series on tomorrow, uh, starting tomorrow, which is going to be all about exactly step-by-step how to start your own iBuyer or instant offers program. This is something that is, you know, it's all the talk in the real estate world about what Zillow is actually going to do with, you know, this instant offers thing. So actually, Brad Inman and I were talking over the weekend, and Brad and I concluded that we need to do a step-by-step podcast on this topic. So that's what we're going to do. Starting tomorrow, we're going to give you a step-by-step process. And I promise you that most of you, if I even mention the idea or suggest that you come up with your own instant offers, iBuyer type program, then most of you guys are super scared or nervous about that. And I promise you, after you listen to the three-part series that we're going to do, you will feel enthusiastic and motivated. And I bet you to a person, and I know there's 93,000 of you guys listening, but to a person, I bet you all want to do a program uh, to compete with Zillow. Because really, frankly, I think it is going to create a surge of interest from buyers. They're going to start asking you about similar programs. And if you aren't offering something similar, you're going to not seem competitive, and you might not even get the call out, and you probably wouldn't get the listing. So, guys, look, at the end of the day, you you need to stay competitive if you want to stay in this market, especially as markets start to transition. The iBuyer or the instant offer type programs are, make, are going to become very appealing to sellers that are not as um, – and, uh, what would the word be confident that their house will sell? So that's when programs like this really start to kick butt. So we're going to start talking about that tomorrow on the podcast. Make sure you're ready to take notes. Come to those podcasts with an open mind and ready to take notes. And again, don't be surprised if you are a little nervous as we're going through this. And I know you guys are all already saying, oh my gosh, Tim, I don't have the money to buy it. Uh, listen, so what if someone calls and wants me to buy their house? What if this, this, the other thing? So in other words, your egos are filling your minds with all these, all the skepticism and doubt. Well, we already have a solution for all those fears, so tune in tomorrow. So, Julie, I believe you have a shout-out. 
Yes, I do. Actually, this is an interesting discussion on our Facebook page for our Premier Coaching members between Andrew Hefner and Amber Rogers. Andrew Hefner writes, Webster's Dictionary says there's no plural for snafu. Remember, snafu stands for situation normal all effed up. Webster's Dictionary never worked in real estate, however. Here's how he uses it in a sentence. I've had a number of snafus in my closings this year, but thanks to Tim and Julie, I am on the listing side for the majority of my transactions now. As stressful as it is for me, it's twice as stressful for the buyer's agent. As I told one yesterday, worst case scenario for buyers can't close, my clients have a good sized deposit and I still have a listing. <laughs> All she has is buyers that she didn't qualify properly. Thought I didn't. Uh, I thought I didn't say it. Uh, let's see. Hashtag Pop Tart Agent. Had this been six months ago, I would not have been so cool and collected with her and my sellers on a closing, which has a snafu upon snafu. Laugh out loud. Maybe Webster's is right. Uh, happy Wednesday, Premier Coaching clients. He says, and then Amber says, there's always room for more listings. Buyers, on the other hand, get ready for a workout, especially in the hot summer months. Okay, and she has a confession as as well. Used to be a Pop Tart agent. So it's interesting, these little confessionals that we see from time to time on our Facebook page. But I think that uh, Andrew makes an excellent point. And we've said this many times because most of our podcasts end with the thought, what's the resolution? Become a better listing agent. I mean, <laughs> when in right. doubt, take another listing. I think that's a clear theme that we have. But when you're living it, and as Andrew says, you know, it's not unusual in real estate to have not just one snafu, but multiples and on multiple different transactions. So what's the solution? As he said, guess what? I got a deposit and I still have the listing. What have you got? A buyer, maybe, maybe qualified for this, maybe not qualified at all. To your point yesterday, Tim, there's no have to buy buyers. They can live with mom and dad or their kids or corporate housing or rent or their current house. There's no have to buy buyers, but there are have to sell sellers. And he's still got that listing. So I think that was a discussion well, worth a merit, and I would encourage other people to get on the Facebook page and talk about that. Go ahead. You bring up a really good point, Julie. So why are we grinding so much the fact that there's no have-to-buy buyers, that there always want to, but there are indeed have-to-sell sellers? The reason is, is because these the series of shows we're doing is on negotiating. And really, guys, you can't negotiate really uh, with someone who doesn't really have to do anything. They're just not going to be that motivated because in the back of their head, and this is the reason that working with buyers, like you probably for every one closed transaction – uh, you know, if you're working with buyer, you probably need to have like, I don't even know, probably 10 buyers realistically in order to get one closed transaction. And we need to probably do a little survey about that. But I know statistically, let's just say that's about right. Whereas if you have a listing, you take one listing, you're going to have a closed transaction. So the amount of work and the amount of time and the amount of frustration that goes into getting a buyer in contract let alone the contract to stay put, it versus just essentially the effort that it takes to have a listing and keep the seller happy. There's no comparison. Working with buyers is a thousand times more work. You know, I was thinking, That's Julie, about labor. It's literally physical it labor, especially this time of year. Especially this ahead. time of year when it's hot, right. Well, I yeah. was thinking about the whole buyer agency thing, right? And our, and our premise is that buyer agency is going to be the next thing that's going to essentially be under attack in the real estate industry. I really, truly believe, and I, we gave you our, you know, our, our thesis on this a couple of weeks ago, but we really, truly believe that buyer agency, uh, as, it, as it is now, is going to go away. And you're going to see it, first of all, in the co-ops that are being paid. You probably already are in your MLS. You're seeing co-ops that are no longer just automatically 3% or automatically 2.5%. You're going to see the co-ops reduce, and the seller and the listing agent can do that because, guess what, there's not a lot of inventory. 
and your buyers have access to the MLS because they can go to Realtor.com or Zillow or your IDEX feed, and they don't give a rat's ass what your commission is. You know they don't. You know, And so at the end of the day, you're not going to have a choice but to take lower commissions. You might try to negotiate your commission as part of the contract with your buyer's consent. It's perfectly legal. But if the seller or the listing agent says, no, thank you, that means that your buyer is going to have to be willing to pay you that commission. I don't know about you guys, but I doubt there's going to be too many buyers that are going to be willing to do that when they can just go directly to the listing agent. You guys get my point? Yeah. So I really do think that what the technology has made – like there was a big theory that you know, eventually agents would become – you guys have all heard this, right? Agents would go away like travel agents did and all the rest of it, and I don't think that will ever happen. But I think buyer's agents are going to go away. In their present incarnation, I'd be surprised if that, that space is still viable in three years from now. I really would because what's going to happen is everything I just said, but it add to this the fact that really it's not – buyer's agents have become way – the unprofitable aspect of most teams and most small brokerages. You know, if you're a listing agent and you have a bunch of listings and you have uh, basically no time to show all your listings yourself, you have buyers calling you directly, you need to – you either refer the buyers out or maybe you want to hire a showing assistant. Why the hell would you pay that showing assistant a commission? That's insanity. You don't need to Open pay him a commission. Just pay him a – just pay right. Just pay them a salary, guys. Look, the houses sell themselves, right? They do. They either speak to the buyer or they don't. And all you're really doing is showing a house around. Some of you guys who are taking this personally, getting pissed off that I'm saying what is really the truth. You just need to basically come to terms with the fact that you need to pivot and put all your best energies every day on becoming a listing agent. Otherwise, you're going to feel embattled at every turn in the road. Really, you are. You're going to be oh the listing agents. You know, the listing agents are uh, they're doubling their listings. They're not putting them in the MLS. The MLSs can pass as many rules as they want, trying to make it uh, so that buyer's agents uh, still have an even uh, shot at the uh, the listing inventory. But it doesn't matter. The listing agents are always going to be in control. Listing agents are going to basically eventually, and sellers for that matter, are eventually going to pinch the buyer's agent's commissions to the point where really it doesn't make any sense. And if you guys haven't figured that out, that that's going to happen next, I'm here to tell you it's going to happen next if it's not already happening in your marketplaces. So please put all your best energies every day on becoming listing agents. And really the point of this show and the last two days' worth of uh, presentations has been on teaching guys how to negotiate. But do realize that we are definitely gearing your negotiation suggestions and tactics towards listings and sellers because that's your future. Or it, if you want to be in real estate, if you want to have a future in real estate, being a listing agent is the future you need to be focusing on. Does that make sense, Julie? Yes, it does. Absolutely, it does. And we see more and more people having that light bulb go off, especially as you guys experience more frustration on the buyer side. So keep that in mind. And at some point, I think most agents who have gotten past the whole survival stage, you know, they're paying their bills with it, they figured that out, you know, they're, they're doing their have-to-pay bills with real estate, that they keep banging their head into the wall with buyer after buyer that flakes on them. Or they find out they can't buy what they said they could buy. Well, and you have a number of all these buyer issues that we hear about. At some point, you got to ask yourself, how much more of that are you going to put up with as a professional real estate agent? And you're either going to have to well, accept that that's your lifestyle and that you're going to be in the, the you know physical labor part, or you're going to embrace the mental labor of listings. How many listings can you handle versus buyers? And until you come to that realization, you may be a struggling listing agent. And that's, you know, that's what we're here to cure, basically. You mean buyer's agent, <laughs> struggling buyer's well, agent. 
struggling listing yeah, agent so, in the sense that all they list is people they know until they figure out how to compete and you know actually have listing inventory. But yes, you get the idea. Right. So so guys, like I'll give you an example. Julie and I used to sell real estate in Central Ohio, as you know. And the first market we started selling, the market where we sold primarily, uh, you know, we sold over a hundred houses when we were in our early twenties. Now we're kind of in our I guess one could say almost late 40s, but mid 40s. Let's mid. just say that. <laughs> mid. Okay, we're in our mid 40s. So you know, 20 plus years ago, we sold over 100 houses our first year. It was primarily in a zip code of 43214, which is this area called Clintonville in Central Ohio. So I look in the MLS every day, um, you know, for Realtor.com. I look in the MLS every day, Realtor.com, for new listings. And here's what I'm seeing: they all sell almost instantly, or in other words, they basically are listed, already sold. So what's that all about? Hey, I'm here to tell you. It's the listing agents selling it to their own buyers. And you guys are experiencing that. It's not – you are literally not even – as buyer's agents, you are literally not even giving a sh getting a shot at the inventory. Is a listing agent doing something, something unethical by selling it to their own buyer? Hell no. They're just basically getting the full benefit of the effort they already put forth from the mental labor of learning how to become listing agents. You guys need to do the same thing. It's just going to get worse, I promise you. There was a guy, an agent, and he's still in the business. He's famous. If you guys are in Philadelphia, you'll know this name, Alan Dom. And I think probably, maybe even still to this day, Alan is one of the most successful and probably wealthiest uh, person that, who basically got his business uh, started in selling uh, condos in Philadelphia. And what he did, and he's since gotten into development and a whole bunch of other things. Very, very, very successful, brilliant guy. But what Alan did is he focused on a handful of uh, high-rise condo buildings. And he had such dominance focusing on the listings in, these mar in this particular market. He stopped putting his listings in the MLS. So if you were an – and he basically he was – you look, if you had a buyer and you wanted to bring your buyer by to see one of his listings, you had to call his office. He was not putting his stuff in the MLS. You guys getting what I'm saying here? He was double-ending everything, and he still is to this day. That is going to be – that's how real estate works in almost all the rest of the world. There is no co-op. There is no buyer's agent. So when you hear us talk about negotiating, when you hear us talk about basically how to build a long-term sustainable real estate career, you have got to become listing agents. You cannot be thinking you're going to make it buying buyer leads, let alone being a buyer's agent, let alone working as part of a team being a buyer's agent. And those of you who have teams and you have bunches of buyer's agents and you're wondering where all your profit uh, is going, it's because you're paying your buyer's agents too much. Guys, they're not worth a third. They're not worth a half. They're worth like maybe hundreds of dollars per contract that they write, and that's it. But that's a different conversation, and we're going to get back to point number eight. And point number eight is when you're negotiating, know what options – are uh, what what is that? Know what options know are what the, the for options my client. Are for my client. Yeah. Oh, got it. Know what the options are for my client. How many homes on this on the market like this one? Absorption rate. What happens if the deal doesn't work? So in other words, when you're presenting an offer, now this could work on the buyer side or the seller side. But again, we obviously are biased towards seller uh, listing agents. But when you're presenting an offer, you need to present it along with making sure that the seller completely understands what else the house is competing against. And they need to understand that the buyer is probably, you know, essentially if this house doesn't if this offer doesn't work out, they probably have house, you know, two other houses in their minds that they're also going to make offers on. Now in some parts of the market, I know that's not the case. In some parts of the market, like I was just telling you about four three two one four, it's take it or leave it, Mr. Buyer. <laughs> I get it. But for the rest of you who are you know, I'm hearing slowdowns that are happening in normal markets that are in like the threes and the fours. If you're in Mark, like if you're on, in LA and like you're seeing the two and a half, the two 
say, two-and-a-half market, that's really slowing down. If you're on the East Coast, if you're in New York, it's the same price point as in L.A. Same, you know, so you guys go around the country. We're definitely seeing the, the mid-market, depending on whatever your mid-market price range is, it's flatlining. But if you're in a normal market and the basic seller is trying to maybe over-negotiate with the buyer, you need to remind them how many other houses that buyer has to choose from. Or if you're on the other side of that transaction, obviously the buyer is a little bit more tuned in to how many choices they have in the marketplace. But the sellers do lose touch with the variety of homes that buyers uh, are, are choosing. So, Julie, or can choose from. Uh, point yes. number nine. Yes, point number nine. Understand that negotiation means that both parties come to an acceptable agreement, not an all-out war of volatility. Keep calm and carry on. Be the rock. So many agents think that it's their job to push the other side around. To I've heard agents say, we're going to make them cry. We're going to make them bleed. You know, what is that about? Negotiating is bringing both parties together to come to an acceptable agreement. So, and I've got news for you guys. Those of you who are volatile negotiators, how well does that go when the inspections come up, when you push the, the other side around? They're going to push right back. 10 days from now when it's time to talk inspections. So be calm, keep calm and carry on, be the rock. And all of the points leading up to this position you to be able to be the rock in the transaction, be the stability because you know the average days on the market, the list sell price ratio, the seller's motivation, the time frame, the other people's motivation. The more knowledge you have, the more control you have, the less knowledge and ignorance you have, the more fear you have, and some people react when they're fearful in an aggressive manner. That doesn't help get the deal done. So be aware of that. Related to this, I wrote down secret, never reject an offer. Always counter. It shows good faith. Even if it was a legitimately low-ball offer, you still have to counter. Okay? And when you're on the buyer side and you know the seller comes back $500 less than list price, don't just you know throw a fit and walk away. Counter it. You probably will stick it, still get the deal together. The script for the seller, don't be mad at this buyer when they come in lower than they wanted. This person liked your home enough to write on it and start a conversation. Be mad at the others who tromped through your home and didn't bother to even give us feedback, much less a contract. So be careful how you're speaking with people and how you're handling this. Keep the emotions between the lines and always, always counteroffer. Tim, I don't know if you remember – yeah, I remember this particular deal because I did the walkthrough and it was one of the only times I saw the buyer. We had both sides of the transaction. It was a house in Muirfield. And I remember it because I think we literally went back and forth like 15 times between our buyer and the seller, got him in contract. I did the walkthrough the day before closing. This is back in the day of dial lock boxes. And the guy had actually <laughs> let himself in and started doing work on the house. <laughs> like, I do remember that. You had better that. be at closing. You had better show up at 3 o'clock. Um, but, you know, the reason I remember it, other than the fact that he basically broke into the house and started rehabbing it, was that we had, I think it was our record back and forth of 15 back and forths. You know, and it was just over nitpicky stuff, and they both wanted to hash it out. And guess what? The deal still closed. So that's why I so bring that one So you guys have up. to be – there are some cultural differences, and I do mean that quite literally, cultural differences and yeah. how people That's negotiate. True. If you're dealing with – let's just be honest. If you're dealing with people from that are first-generation Americans and they come from a culture, from a country where peace, people literally do take to the streets with swords and battle things out, and that's how they negotiate, it's probably going to be a little bit more of a volatile process 
And if you're representing the seller, you need to basically make sure the seller is fully aware of the fact that they had just there's a slight cultural difference in how these people negotiate, but they will come to terms. That happens all the time. And a lot of you guys who have seen a lot of you know buyers from China or buyers from Russia and buyers from you know Brazilians down uh, you know South Florida, all those folks that have been migrating to the United States over the past decade or so. Uh, Look, guys, they love to negotiate. They, you know what? You might pick up some tips Except from them. Some are really good. <laughs> the true. Middle Easterners are really aggressive negotiators too. So just make sure when you're dealing with uh, your sellers that you set the expectation uh, and, and say, look, these folks are probably going to negotiate this more than you feel comfortable. Just be patient. Let me put this together. Um, and, again, we mentioned this on the first day. Depending on your price ranges, you might want to always present offers in person so that you can essentially read the seller better and you can get a, a beat on their emotions. Um, one of the things I'm going to, so Julie, we have one more, or see, we have one more tip, mm-hmm. two more yes, tips, right? Okay. Well, yep. Okay. So I'm going to go through these relatively quick and then we're going to give you guys some advanced suggestions here. Number 10, did you do, you didn't do number 10. Number 10, understand that the buyer wants to buy and the seller wants to sell. I have a deal. Uh, I just have to figure out how to put it together. So have that mindset. No one's going to, and make sure you tell the sellers that too. Mr. Seller, listen, um, don't be insulted. Don't be mad. Don't be greedy with this offer. Look, we've had a lot of folks through the house, or in some cases, we have had not enough folks through the house. At least this buyer's taken the time to put an offer together. Let's respect and honor their having basically shown enough interest in the house to at least counter them and try to put it together. And you'll find sometimes that just the very fact that you're willing to counter offer will break through the seller's ego and also will put a deal together. Don't just be one of these agents that essentially, again, Julie's point and really her underlying point over the last three points was don't allow your ego to basically screw up the deal. That happens all the time. And, and it's, it's, I promise you guys, you think that you have to justify, and you're doing this subconsciously, a lot of you, but you add drama to the deal. You're the ones that are bringing in the drama. You're the ones that are thinking that you have to basically you know, make it a painful process for somebody. If you don't think that, it's your behavior that's causing that. You have to remember your job is to not get in the way of a buyer and seller coming together. Not, you, know, you have to doctor fill some of these people. I know. You have to be an adult counselor. I know. Sometimes you have to be a wedding counselor. Been there, done that. But your job ultimately is to just get the buyer and the seller together. You are really not part of the transaction. You're just somebody that's moving paper around and making sure the deal flows properly. That's your mindset. Don't make it so it's your opportunity to be on stage. I have to negotiate a contract. You know, it's a big damn deal. I'm going to put myself, you know, it's this ego crap that screws up deals and keeps you guys broke. And the last point, perfectly tying in with what you're just saying, is keep your ego in check. You know, do what's always best for your client. Don't practice self-agency. Be of service and you always win. Guys, the book we suggest all of you to read is Ego is the Enemy. So make sure you read that book. Listen to it on tape. Um, and you look, internalize the message that Ryan Halliday is trying to say in that book, which is in essence that our egos are subversive uh, and I believe ego, uh, oftentimes evil forces in our lives that cause us to basically live in misery. And because we don't realize we're being ruled by the subversive, um, you know, sort of innate behavior, uh, we don't realize how detrimental that the actions that come from that behavior truly are. So just read the book, inundate your mind, flood your mind with these ideas that you can be in more in control of how you feel, not just how you feel, but how you react to how you feel, and you'll have a lot more, uh, dare I say, balance in life. And if nothing else, you'll have a lot better results when you come when it comes to negotiating. So I'm going to give you guys two advanced tips. Number one. If you have a listing that's been on, uh, on, you know, if you have a listing, 
and you have a buyer that's brought a buyer agent that's brought uh, a buyer through a number of times, or even a buyer that's brought a buyer, you know, they've come through a number of times, and no one's writing an offer. That stuff is totally normal this time of year because you have all the part-time agents that are in the business right now. They all come out in the summer, the spring and the summer. They try to sell their handful of houses, and then basically as soon as their kids go back to school, they basically are out of real estate. Oh, they might still show up at meetings, but they're not listing and they're not working with buyers. They'll get their three or four sales every spring and summer, and then they're out again. That is a bulk of the industry. Probably 90% of the real real estate industry is like that. As you start taking more listing agents or listings, you're going to have to oftentimes negotiate not just with your seller, but oftentimes you're going to have to do the buyer's agent's job too, simply for the fact that they do not have the experience that you do as a listing agent to get a deal together. And the ego, the the all these types of problems you need, you're going to observe those oftentimes in these, these part-time agents who are so desperate to get their two or three deals per year. Uh, then they're, they're going to fade again. Then they're going to be, met, be next, back next spring. They're the ones that are so emotionally tied to that transaction coming together because they're not going to do probably another one that year. Do you guys understand? So you're going to have to rise above it. One of the suggestions we have is if you see a buyer coming through your listings more than once, twice, a second showings, no offer, even with an, if they're with a the buyer's agent, that's fine. Write an offer to the buyer. So write a reverse offer. That's something that uh, the top agents in the country, the little trick they've been using forever. Literally, you write an offer from your seller offering to sell the house to the buyer. Normal offer is the buyer offering to sell the house to the seller. Write a reverse offer. As far as the price and the terms or whatever, I'm not suggesting you ask the seller to negotiate, negotiate against themselves too much, but maybe just maybe make a full price offer to the buyer to buy, or maybe slightly less than full price offer to the buyer to the buy. The point is, is what you're going to do is you're going to get the conversation started. Whereas that buyer's agent evidently hasn't been able to. Maybe they're intimidated by their buyers. Maybe their buyers are more skilled at negotiating and the buyer's agent doesn't do, know what to do. Or most likely, the buyer's agent has a personal relationship with that buyer. That's how they got that relationship to begin with, friends, family, centers of influence. And as a result of that, they don't want to actually put themselves in a position where they're telling that person something they don't want to hear because they don't want to jeopardize that relationship. You guys get it? So by you sending over a, uh, a seller's offer to sell to the buyer's agent or the buyer, you will oftentimes get a transaction together, whereas normally you wouldn't have uh, for the reasons I just stated. Does that make sense, guys? So listen, we're going to round the bend on today's show. Um, please continue to send your great feedback to us. We always love to hear your suggestions on what we can do, be, be doing other podcasts on. Email me directly, Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com or Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com. And remember, guys, if you need any help, you have to request a free coaching call. Go to FreeCoachingCallsForAgents.com, FreeCoachingCallsForAgents.com. And when you do so, we're going to give you six of our books for free, and you're also going to be entitled to a coaching call with one of our new member coaches. So tomorrow, tune in, because we're really going to be doing a very deep dive um, op, you know, series of shows and helping all of you guys compete directly with Zillow on starting your own iBuyers or Instant Offers type program. So that's going to start tomorrow. In the meantime, you guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the radio tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.